The reading this morning is taken from Matthew 13, verses 31 to 35, on page 979. The parable of the master seed and the yeast. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a master seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest all seed, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch on its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour and until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using parables. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables I will, utter, I will utter thing hidden seen the creation of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Toppo. Let's just take a moment to pray, shall we? I will open my mouth in parables. I'll utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So Father, we pray that you would indeed open our eyes to see hidden things and uh, that we will um, see these things in our own lives and, and how your kingdom is at work. We pray that you'll open our eyes to, to see more of King Jesus and his kingdom. In his name we pray. Amen. Please do keep the Bibles open uh, if you've got them at page 979, um, that would be uh, great. Uh, and we're looking at these two parables um, that have just been read by Topo, and um, they bring to light a theme um, that the previous two parables that we've looked at in chapter 13 have been um, a little bit in the background. It's been there, but it's not been the dominant theme, but it comes to light now to encourage us and to challenge us. Uh, And the theme is really simple. The theme is the kingdom is growing. It is growing. The kingdom is growing. And we're going to look at these two parables now. The first, the parable of the mustard seed. And it's initially, it's about outward um, growth. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. So Jesus introduces this idea of the, a, a tiny seed, the mustard seed, and, and it was used really, the mustard seed, as a kind of a, a byword to it at that time to really um, talk about things that seemed insignificant, things that seemed um, minute and small, or something that was easily missed um, and uh, overlooked. 
and uh, sort of to, to talk about something that seems unimportant and, and not that special. And yet, of course, this seed is sown in the soil and it grows and it grows and it grows and it's kind of explosive growth that it becomes so big that verse 32 tells us that even the birds of the air perch in its branches. What is Jesus telling us about kingdom growth? Well, I think the first thing that he is saying is that that we're not to despise or overlook small beginnings. Let's not overlook or despise small beginnings. If we think about it, when, when we see um, anything launched in our day, whether it's a campaign for a book or a product or some kind of big thing that is about to happen, um, there's usually a big fanfare, there's kind of a media campaign, and things are launched, aren't they, in a big way so that no one can miss it. I, was just thinking about this the other day with um, uh, the excitement that uh, my son and I are waiting for Doctor Strange 2 to happen. Um, some of you might not like Marvel movies at all, but I, I do, and I know Topo does. Uh, are you in this one? Maybe not. <laughs> but I like watching um, the Marvel movies, and um, the, the campaign for its launch is not out until till May the 6th. And it's, it's on the news everywhere in the adverts already, and it's building up this campaign. Um, because you're supposed to, that's how marketing works. You're meant to have this big kind of stunt and uh, uh, to kind of go global, that you're to have this kind of cause a Twitter storm, I think it's caused, caused so that everybody's talking about it. That's not really how Jesus works, is it? Um, Jesus is about small beginnings. And we're not to despise those small beginnings. After all, if you think about it, the kingdom, which is the biggest thing, surely, the kingdom of God, it, surely that is the biggest thing ever that the world uh, should see, didn't start like that. Didn't start with hype uh, or um, really without anyone watching or seeing it. It started in a in a house in, in Bethlehem, didn't it? In a, in a manger, because there was no room at the inn. While everybody was thinking about the census and about Rome, in stepped King Jesus. His beginning was small. It was seemingly insignificant. It was seemingly overlooked. Yet he drew an amazing crowd eventually, didn't he? But even that crowd, as he went to the cross, disappeared. And there's just a few faithful women who stood close to him. So insignificant, so easily missed. And then after that, after the resurrection, we know, don't we, that this small group of of, uh, disciples took that kingdom news across the world. Like a mustard seed, such small beginnings, yet has this explosive growth. So we shouldn't despise small beginnings, seemingly insignificant things. And we should take comfort from that fact, actually, personally as well, um, that Jesus starts in small ways. I don't know about you, but um, we can feel, can't we, that our Christian walk 
is small and seems insignificant. We can feel like we're, that it's overlooked, that sometimes we're maybe even in a minority in, in our workplace or even in our family, we can feel like that. And as Christians, we can feel alone, small, but we're to take to heart that God's kingdom began in a small way, in a seemingly insignificant way. Jesus was unnoticed, wasn't he, in many ways? And even as he, people started noticing him, they rejected him. They, they overlooked him and ignored him. So I don't know, do you, do you feel insignificant? I know I do at times, I, that my, my walk is sometimes small or overlooked. Well, Jesus knows exactly how you feel if that is you this morning. He's been rejected. He's been overlooked. He's been ignored. And yet he's able to sympathize with us. So when we come to him in prayer, he will not reject you or ignore you or overlook you. His kingdom begins in small ways. And it grows and it grows and it grows and it can have explosive growth. So let's not despise this, this kind of um, small beginnings uh, in our walk with Christ now, with the King. But let's get back to the, the, the main point here, because the, the tiny mustard seed doesn't actually represent our faith. Jesus isn't saying your faith is like a mustard seed. He's saying the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. He's saying the kingdom is like that. Planted by Jesus, seemingly so small, Think how it grows. Think how it has grown throughout the generations as men and women and children, generation after generation, have come to know the king. Think back and see how it's grown into a huge tree. So so big, the kingdom, that explosive growth that verse 32 tells us that birds come and perch in its branches. Now, this image here, I don't think it's just a, an, an image um, uh, to make a, a hyperbole point, you know, that, that it is big. I think it's also meant to, to point to something deeper, uh, something that is found in the Old Testament. You can find in places like Ezekiel chapter 17 about the birds standing uh, for the nations that surrounded Israel. Uh, and the idea was that over time, all the nations around Israel would come um, to depend on Israel and to depend on them for protection. And Jesus, you see what he's doing here, he's picking up that idea and explains about the kingdom to his predominantly Jewish listeners, saying that there will be others gathered into my kingdom from every nation and every tribe and every ethnicity and every tongue coming into his kingdom and will perch there, be part of it, as is picked up in, at the beginning of Acts, as, as, the, as that kingdom news goes out to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And isn't that what we are seeing across the world as people come to make Jesus their king? So you get this growth, small beginnings, yes, but it's already had explosive effects across the world. It's become the largest, as it were, of garden plants and becomes a tree. And we need to remember, don't we, that that, as we heard last week, 
Um, the kingdom isn't a kind of geographical, territorial area with borders and land. Jesus is using kingdom to describe his, sovereign, his sovereignty, his rule, his kingship over those who acknowledge him as king. Rejecting Jesus was not to enter into his kingdom. We can only enter his kingdom through him, by making him king, making him ruler in our lives, by surrendering to him, submitting to his loving rule. And this kingdom was foretold in the past, in the Old Testament, like we have passages every Christmas, like Isaiah 9, 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establish and uphold, holding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So his kingdom was foretold in the past and it has arrived as Jesus in Matthew four seventeen says, repent for the kingdom has, of heaven has come near. And yet there is something about the kingdom that is yet to come, isn't there? In the book of Revelation, it says, for chapter 11, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign over his kingdom forever and ever. So this is the picture of the kingdom that Jesus is painting for us. And as we think about it, again, I wonder if you're, if you're a Christian here this morning and you're wondering, you're looking out at the world and everything that's going on in it, and, and all the, the trouble that we see, in you, and you think, how is it working out? I don't know where I really see it. And maybe you feel that, maybe we're on the, does it look like we're actually on the losing side? Do you feel your faith and the kingdom of what you see is somehow small and, and, and sometimes embarrassing to those around you? Do you feel the tide has gone out? of Christianity in this country even, that somehow you're kind of cut off and, and, and seemingly insignificant. Well, I think the passage like today comes to us to, to encourage us and to say to us, don't see it like that. Don't, don't panic. Don't panic. Your destiny is bound up with the king, King Jesus. That's good news, isn't it? And, and one day, everyone is going to acknowledge him as king. That's what we were reading in the creed earlier, wasn't it? That at the name of Jesus, every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. So we need to keep looking forward for that kingdom. That often we see is seemingly insignificant and small is actually growing. And it has a beautiful future for us where his kingdom will be established forever. Yeah, of course, there may be people here um, this morning asking a different question, thinking maybe, I'm not sure I'm in this kingdom. I'm, I'm not sure I've even entered this kingdom. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe we're coming to church, for example, for many, many years. Uh, you know, we consider the message uh, interesting and, and good and we like the instructions that we get and maybe we agree with 
the principles and, and maybe we take away something each week as a kind of a, a help to help us along our, our way. But yet, yeah, have we actually yielded to King Jesus? Have we submitted to him as king, to his loving, kind, perfect rule? Have we made him king in our lives? Have we bowed to him? You see, I think sometimes that we can confuse the kingdom for the, for the church. Um, you see, the kingdom isn't quite the same as this human institution that we call the church. You can really sit here week after week, we can nod and agree and, and go away with some helpful advice for our life ahead, but have we really, really accepted Jesus as our king, the one who who lovingly rules and who can guide us and lead us in his ways. You see, because we're not actually dealing with an institution, are we? The church. Oh, yes, the church is important, but it's not as important as the king, as to who Jesus is. Because we're about a person. We're about King Jesus. So where do we stand with King Jesus? Are we... For him or against him? Or are we just indifferent? Uh, and churches are, you see, they're not what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the kingdom. Because we all know, can't, don't we, that churches can, be, churches can be dull and boring. But King Jesus is never dull and boring. Churches can be uh, full of hypocrites, can't it? But Jesus is never, King Jesus is never a hypocrite. And churches can have, have leaders that make all sorts of mistakes all the time, countless mistakes. Believe me, I know. But Jesus never does. He's the king. And churches we, we know can be complete, can seemingly be completely and utterly irrelevant or seemingly but Jesus is never irrelevant. His kingdom is never irrelevant. He's not calling us, you see, to come into a, into a church so much. Yes, there is, the church is important, but he's calling us into a relationship with the king. That's the most important thing. Into his loving rule. So that's the parable uh, of the mustard seed it's seemingly small and insignificant, but don't despise that. He's at work. He has been at work, and it's growing, and it continues to grow to this day. But the parable of the yeast, on the other hand, is, um, is more about, uh, about hidden, permeated growth, rather like what we saw demonstrated here with Hannah and the, and the dough. It's about hidden permeation, inner growth and transformation. Verse 33, again, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through dough. And I want you to imagine for a moment that the, the flour as, as the world, and it talks about here 30 kilograms, that's a, that's a lot of dough. Um, I sort of try to work it out and that's probably enough dough to, to make uh, bread for over a hundred people. And we're part of that world, aren't we? Of the flour. 
that dough. And imagine yourself, this might not be very flattering, as a little dollop of dough for a moment. I don't know whether you've ever thought of yourself as a dollop of dough, but um, we can really take this parable to heart. Um, We will not rise, as it were, unless the yeast is at work in us, in us, permeating us. It really is a parable that's that straightforward, I think, for us. As God mixes in the yeast into our lives, um, Jesus the King, by the work of the Holy Spirit, takes the Word of God and applies it to to us in every area of our lives. Uh, And as we say yes to Jesus... The Holy Spirit works his yeast of Christ the King into our lives. Now, if you think about it, thinking about the illustration of the yeast, there's a lot to permeate, isn't there, in our lives, if you think about it. There's a lot for it to permeate into. There's going to need to be lots of kneading. Um, I've seen Bake Off. A few times. Ah, oh, okay, I've seen the whole series. <laughs> um, we watch it, and I've seen uh, Bread Week. And you know how they pick up the flour, and they really work it when they're kneading the yeast in. And they even take the dough sometimes, and they slap it on the, the worktop. And they really have to, to work really hard to push the, the yeast into the, the whole of the dough. There's lots to permeate. Lots to work through in our relationships, in our thoughts, in the things that we do, in the things that we say, the way that we act, what we do with our money and our time. All sorts of areas in which the yeast, the kingdom has to work its way into. And And sometimes you can feel a bit discouraged because you think it's making such a slow progress into our lives. But we do need to take heart because remember Philippians 1, 6, that I always take great encouragement where it says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So he's bringing it and permeating it into every area of our lives. He will work the yeast, the kingdom, through the whole being, enabling you to live for him into every department of your life, even into those places that you feel are are kind of locked doors, places that you perhaps don't really want to go. He will permeate. He will deal with failures of the past. Um, And he'll make you rise, (laughs) to use the analogy. He will make you rise. That's good news. Um, he'll make you rise in all sorts of ways. Uh, make you rise as a, a follower of Jesus. Uh, uh, he'll make you rise as, uh, in being more faithful and more, and more loving and kind and forgiving and, and compassionate and gracious and, as he permeates into the different places of your life, perhaps places that you've struggled with, doors that have been locked, uh, uh, and maybe into places where it, things need to be dusted and furniture needs to be rearranged or even thrown out and new furniture brought in. That's the kind of picture that we have here. He'll work his way out into the whole of your life. Kingdom is like yeast. It permeates. 
It transforms. And he will do what we could never do on our own. We can't simply do this on our own. We can never do it. We just remain flower because it's his kingdom. His, as Jesus is king, that has got to do it. It's the power of his, of his Holy Spirit into our lives to bring growth, to bring change. As I was thinking about this, I came across a, uh, a little um, illustration, an illustrative story. I think it was by a lady called Pam Weaver, and it's called um, Welcome Lord Jesus. And I, I finish with this. Um, listen to, to this. Welcome Lord Jesus, it's called. Lord Jesus, what a wonderful surprise, Lord, as I flung open the door wide, greeting him. Come in, come in, I said. And as he walked down the hall, he passed my mobile phone on the side, and I I recalled my frequent gossipy conversations. I blushed as he saw my face, but he didn't say anything. Come through to the living room, I quickly changed the subject. But then I realised all the things I'd seen on the TV that perhaps I shouldn't have seen. So instead I brought him into the kitchen. I asked him to sit down. I said, I'll make make us some tea. And as he sat down there, I realised how few people I had shown hospitality to. I always meant to, but there was always something better to do. He didn't say a word. I avoided eye contact. He looked out the window at the car parked outside and I quickly said, the Lord's car. And then I realised how stupid that sounded. I showed him my quiet room where I like to be alone and to think by myself. I hadn't invited him in to share to my shame. I turned to him and said, everything's so cluttered, Lord. I'm not ready for you yet. Can you, can you come back um, when I've tidied up and I, I've put all the things in order? He looked at me. He put his hand on my shoulder and he gently smiled and said, shall we do this together, child? Shall we do this together? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for these two parables about the kingdom. We pray that we would not despise or overlook small beginnings. We thank you that the kingdom permeates through our lives as we accept Jesus as King. And Father, we recognise we cannot do this without you. In fact, we shouldn't try and do it without you because we can't do it without you. We need King Jesus to change us. We pray that we'd come to King Jesus and allow him to change us by his Spirit, transforming us permeating every area of our lives, even those areas that are often neglected or overlooked. We pray that you do that deep work in us.
changing us and molding us, that we may rise and be the people you've called us to, people of your kingdom. May we let the Lord Jesus come in and his kingdom change us. Amen.